Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7 on a busy, busy week in and around the ATX. We got the NIT, we got Dell Match Play, we got NCAA Swimming and Diving, Texas Baseball this weekend, Spring Football, Pro Timing Day, Rodman. It's just that time of the year where it's like drinking out of a fire hose. Yeah, man, there's a lot going on the ATX in uh, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods in town. Yes. time playing golf. Yeah, big. I know, and it's... It's a lot of other stuff, too, happening in Austin. I believe it's uh, in Texas Relays. Coming Texas up. Relays is this weekend. Texas Relays is this that. weekend. Urban Music the Rodeo Festival. going on still. Rodeo still going on. Yeah, man, it's crazy. That's why all the traffic is happening. So Yes. <laughs> Even more than usual. Yeah. yeah. Even more people who don't know how to drive are out uh, on the roadways. This is the case. Yeah. The ATX. No doubt. And they'll love Austin and they'll want to move to Austin. Yeah. So <laughs> Unfortunately. will continue the vicious cycle yeah. of traffic. There you go. Yeah. It's yeah, getting, uh, that's the good news. It's even getting more more <laughs> yeah. cluttered down in my neck of the woods, down in Hayes County. But, that's right. Uh, we're going to stick with uh, football matters on the 40 acres on the show because that's what we do. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, uh, how are things? Doing well, man. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Everything's going well. Just a little bit a little bit later in the week that you guys are getting the show. Just sometimes life gets in the way, so we apologize for that. But yeah. uh, we'll bring you a good show nonetheless. And, hey, maybe it's a good thing we had to bump it back because now we can talk about Pro Day in addition to Perfect Spring Ball time. and yeah, other actually things. Yeah, timed out better. Yeah. You, we could have just played it off as, oh, yeah, we are going to do it right after Pro Day. Big news yesterday. Yeah, actually, why did you reveal that? Yeah, actually, <laughs> He's yeah. too honest. I like his Come transparency. On. Sorry. No, My bad. Transparency's good. That's that beforehand. Transparency. You don't yeah. want to be just a <laughs> guy just full of it on the radio. You told you we don't do uh, show meetings before the show. We <laughs> just dive into it. So Our show Meaning is uh, a text message usually, or hey, uh, let's uh, make sure we cover this, and that's pretty much about it. There you go. So, uh, a man who uh, he doesn't need show meetings because it's all in his brain because he's a Renaissance man. He's the Renaissance man here on Longhorn Blitz and on 1049 The Horn, where you hear him each and every weekday on the broadcast from 1 to 3. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Tiger CFL. Cats, baby. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres, where he earned his degree. When he gets that T-ring in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, a black card member of DBU, number 21 in your program, but number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Thanks Rod, intro, uh, before we get going, speaking to DBU, quick shout-out to our uh, friends at Last Stand Hats. Who hooked you yeah, up with the DBU hat? I heard that. They are no longer allowed to sell the DBU hats. Because of Dallas Baptist University? Yes. 
Wow, putting their foot down. Come on, Dallas they Baptist. They sent a cease and Remember, I remember when Texas played DBU, and we were laughing on Come there like, on. it's Texas versus DBU. Come on, yeah, that's pretty lame. Come on, Dallas Baptist. I'm very upset. So was, acronyms aren't like, you can't just have different acronyms? I guess they're, they I have I guess not, it. yeah. Because there's UT and UT. There's all the different USC, South Carolina, USC, USC. Like, there's it's all over the world. That I, don't, I don't know how it works. It's just who has the bigger lawyer. I assume so. That's probably you're probably right about that. <laughs> <laughs> actually, but no, that was actually man, that was a cool hat. So last ten hats, they still got a lot of great hats. I love the uh, the one with the Texas, uh, the state of Texas did the fight in the middle. That's probably my favorite hat. Occupy left they field have, yeah. one that's really cool now. I, I like the I left field hat also. Mm-hmm. Field one, but yeah. now I gotta put my you know I uh, that DB on. I, I do have two though because yeah, I did order another. Hell, it so. might be a worth more yeah. money now, like a collector's item. It, it definitely will be now. There. Now you got to put them all. This is rare, man. Got to put them all in, in wrap, man. Got to wrap them up. Actually, you'll never see my DBU hats again. Thank you. <laughs> I'm actually now I got to try to get all of DBU to sign the DBU hat. Yeah. And then man, it wrap really it up. Something. Boom. All right. That's smart. So Next are mission. we saying that the Next folks at the fo- we're saying yeah. that the folks at Last Stand Rodney to get you a hat that you can wear on a regular basis? No, no, no. My girlfriend actually bought me another one because she liked the DBU hat and it, so okay. she got me another one. I think it's actually a lighter gray one, and I got the dark gray one. But so yeah. you got one to wear and one gotten, to put away. And I should have got like four or five of them, but yeah. <laughs> Such is life. But shout out to yeah. Last Stand Hats. Yeah, They've been good out, to us. Man. Been I'm good sad, to everybody at the that. horn. But yeah. Uh, yeah, plenty of great hats over there to Dallas. choose from uh, if you want to dabble <laughs> in that. We'll get to spring football on the spring Forty Acres for you. Uh, scrimmage coming up this weekend, uh, which we'll find out about that after it goes down. But let's go ahead and start with Pro Day. Uh, Rod, we want to start with the good or the bad with Pro uh, Day. I think you always – okay, you want good news, you want bad news. Don't you always start with the bad news? With the bad news first? With the good news? That, that's how I All right. want it. It's better to end on the high note. Okay. Yeah, I will yeah. give me the bad news first so I can digest it, then give me some good news. Because <sighs> the good news might be I, I won a lottery. You right. I mean? The bad news may not matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about this little Jordan Humphrey situation. Yeah, that's bad. And that's the ugly, too. The good, the bad, I and the don't... ugly. Start with the ugly. Rod, you got to help me out Reverse here, order. man, because I don't know if he's getting bad advice, if he's not getting any advice, if he's just winging it. I don't know at this point, but this is the most bizarre draft process in the 11 years <laughs> I've been in this market I've ever it seen. Is. I'm not I don't mean no, to it's, at it. Yeah, it's, but it's just it's that it's weird because funny. it's crazy. To sum up his pro day, yes, he improved on the 40, which probably – he ran really in the low, low to high four sixes, which That's is probably where he thought. Much better. Where, where he, everybody thought he was going to run at the combine. Yeah, much better. He was going to run at the combine. Well, but then you get to the on-field drills, mm-hmm. and he doesn't run routes. He does blocking drills with the tight ends. Was he hmm. was he asked to do routes? Did they ask him? Here's the thing: he had several teams pull him aside afterwards and ask him, "Why didn't you run routes?" Hmm. Because normally you talk to them during will, the process. And yeah, stuff. usually they will. Like one coach, I've seen. Well, from what I know, the usually they will ask you. Coaches ask you to run certain drills. Anybody ask him to run routes? I believe so. He said okay. he did not run routes because he did not feel comfortable running routes because he hadn't worked on route running in a while. Okay. Which my thing is, <laughs> it's <laughs> pro day. It's, wide receiver. it's your it's your or pro you day on your, on your campus. You got a quarterback throwing you the ball, Shane Bouchelle, who you've caught plenty of passes yeah. from before. The home field advantage is in your court. This should be the perfect time for you okay. to showcase your skills. Okay, 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 okay. So he wasn't running routes 
um, while he was training. I'm sorry, this is kind of funny to me. He said he hadn't worked on and, routes in and, a, a and while. And I thought I heard you say this morning that he that you that you had a source that said he wasn't doing a ton of training for the forty either. Leading up to the combine. Leading up to yeah. the combine. Okay, so now this is my theory. It's a wacky theory, but it's the only thing that applies. The only thing I can think of. One team he likes wants him. to be an undrafted free agent. Yeah, one team like to landing <laughs> he spot. He wants to be an undrafted free agent really badly. He's like, no, no, no it sounds crazy. So it's better than get, anything I've thought of. Like one free team agent. has contacted him already, yeah. and like they'll go and, and get him. He's like, he knows exactly where he wants to go, and he's that's 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 the only thing I can think of as to why yeah. you would approach this in such an irresponsible way. Just, like you have already uh, on the side right? somebody he's like got, Kingsbury bro, went and talked to LJ and be like, "Dude, we're going to sign you exactly. immediately. You're going to be there with Kyler. You're going to be on draft to free eight. I wonder. Hopefully, teams, it's the Texans. Hopefully, the Texans are the team that's told him, "Hey, man, don't worry. We got your preferred." Yeah. Bird free agent, you'll be our starting, well, our starting slot guys. I don't know. You know, that's my only theory. My theory. I feel, I that feel, would b- make sense. I feel bad for <laughs> only him. That makes sense. I feel bad for him. And again, Roger, I do. You, you're laughing. We're not making light of the situation. I am not. It's laughing at the evidence. I'm laughing at how yeah how crazy it is. That I le- say I'm not running routes. And I left be a the, wide receiver. I left the pro day thinking he has worked himself out of the draft. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I said. Like it, it's just it's it's puzzling to, it's that I I've never seen anything like this. I've I can't think because to me the advice that I would give him coming out of the combine situation where he ran the slowest forty of any wide receiver would be okay. Anything they ask you to do, we're gonna do. As a matter of fact, we'll put on our own damn workout if to show off. Go what, overboard. Yeah, to show exactly to show off what you do well, and route running would definitely be in that. You know, I, I would put that in whatever uh, performance, <laughs> all right, you're going to try to sh- showcase or whatever you're going to try to do because you want to show that the 40 time doesn't necessarily uh, determine how good you are at getting out of your breaks and accelerating out of your breaks and things like that, like that, that you actually yeah. do that really well. And the 40 time, like it doesn't match, the 40 time doesn't match up with your film. It also doesn't match up with, hey, man, I watch this guy run routes in person, and trust me, he's got a burst. Like, I'm telling you, he can, you know, he can, he can, he has great body control and, and great catch radius. Hell, I would love to have him out there running routes, and I, I tell him, that, hey, man, I want some off-target throws. You know what I mean? I want to see him because uh, Pro Football Focus said, I, I believe his, his um, contested catches, I believe he was top 10 in the country in contested yeah. catches. He was also a top 10 in the country in terms of uh, catching passes that were off-target throws. He was really good at adjusting his body on the fly. All those things you should have been trying to show off at the pro day. Yeah. Now, I know at the combine you do drills like that and route running, but, man, in person like that, up close in person, you want to see that big – you want to see coaches looking at that big frame and going, damn, man, that big frame can move. He, he can sink them hips. He can get in yeah. and out of the breaks. I don't know why you would deny yourself that. I would tell him, hell yeah, we're running routes. We're going to run routes for about 30 minutes, just straight running routes. We're going to run the whole damn route tree. You know what I mean? Like, so shame. Running from the slot, from the wide side of the field, from the boundary. (laughs) You want me to run it from the backfield? Like, what? We're going to do the Kobe workout, but on the route tree. You know what I mean? We just get every route five times. Boom, boom, boom. And let everybody see it. You want to see it from a different angle? Oh, Patriots, y'all want to see it from a different angle? Let's do that. You know what I mean? Like, I. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like if you're, if That's you're, why it's funny to me that he decided not to run routes. If you're a scout, let's say, you know, whether you're the area scout or whatever, you're, you know, high up in the personnel office, the team sends you to Texas Pro Day. So we need to get a look at the Humphrey kid because, you know, we'd still like him regardless of the time. Exactly. 
What do you report back to your GM? <laughs> like seriously, what do you? I know. I'm, I hate to quit. I hate to keep laughing. This is not funny, but, but no, like Rod, <laughs> it's it's just it's the most mind-boggling thing I've ever seen, and yeah. I don't. I really. I almost hope he's not getting advice from somebody because if that's an agent advising him on he what to, to do, fire him right now. Should have done it five minutes ago. Yeah, and whoever was advising him before the draft, hopefully he fired them too. He just needs to get back to basics of no, I'm I'm willing to do any, and to not be willing to do anything at those workouts unless you're a draftable prospect. And right now, I think there are what four of those guys on the forty acres. They're drafted, you know, and adult. We well maybe three now because we thought Lil Jordan Humphrey was in that. So maybe I think I think for sure Gary Johnson, Charles Amendola, Chris Boyd. Yeah, I think it's three. Yeah, Lil Jordan Humphrey sure. now. I think he was, and maybe he's not. But if you're especially if you're on the fringe there after that, you would think you'd be open to do any and everything. Like you should have been working. You should have been asking I, asking scouts. Do they need to see anybody? Anybody need to see anything else? <laughs> you, know, yeah, you need to see me do something. Come on. I mean, you need to see I me just, do another drill. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm with you. I don't really understand the thought process. Uh, I still think he's going to make an NFL roster. I do, even as yeah. an undrafted free agent. And, it's not going to shock you know, me if he does. Yeah, you and I have talked about it. You know, Texas for years now has become, you know, it's kind of a it, – it went from being a bargain bin, uh, you know, to a clearance rack to being kind of a, a, a wholesale it, – it, it's, a, it's a warehouse. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a warehouse full of talent that you can, you can get on the cheap, penny stocks at Texas. And Puna Ford, Puna Ford might have been one of the best values – in all of, and I can't say the draft, uh, you know what I mean? Just last, all year's the, last year's from the last year's class, all right, coming out, that rookie class, he might have been one of the best draft, best values, period, in the NFL. Holton Hill? Holton Hill, another mm-hmm. one. Yeah, you know what I mean? I got, you're talking about guys going to end up being starters for you. They were undrafted free agents. You know, I mean, I know that's, you know, it's 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 not as rare as you would think, but man, that's a that's a hell of a value. That's like finding, man, that's like finding a a a brand new smart TV on Craigslist. You know what I mean? Like that's that kind of value. Yeah. I mean, it is some serious value. So I think that's why all thirty-two teams are like, no, you always send somebody down to Texas because they haven't been developing talent necessarily really well. And I think that's going to change with Tom Herman. But because of that, they're still bringing in talent. So there's always some diamonds in the rough, guys who went undeveloped and they were just in the wrong situation, in the wrong system, wrong time, different coach, whatever. Here's where I'll buy your theory, Rod, that maybe he's got a team that's already said, look, we're, we're either taking you or signing you one or the other. It's, it's a crazy theory, but it's the only thing I can think of. The only workout I heard him say that he for sure has coming up is the Cowboys have their area kind of pro day coming up next week for guys that either went to high school or played college ball in the area. So yeah. maybe that's the team that said, look, it doesn't matter what the numbers say. We're we're either taking you late or, you know, we'll have a good deal for you right after the draft. Which can also be fool's gold because yeah. Yeah, teams lie all the time. Oh, like, yeah. oh no. If you're there, brother, we're going to draft you. Rod, how many teams told you they were going to take you? You know, I, I probably had, I had the Falcons told me that, you know, if I was there in the mid rounds, three and four, they were going to take me. Obviously, I, I got to go back and look and see if that worked out. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, and so I'm sure that teams always say that. I mean, we really love you. You know, I mean, they brought me in on a visit. So they did really like me because they did like fly me up there for a visit. But, I don't know. I think the situ- situations change. Circumstances change. You know what I mean? The draft board changes. A guy they were in love with more than they're in love with you who also feels a necessity on the roster may also pop up and be available. You just never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, I just uh, – yeah, it, it's just really, really interesting that Lil' Jordan Humphrey isn't more focused. And now 
the thing that worried me the most was the you know forty yard dash time. We've seen guys with slow 40s succeed in the NFL. Trust me. And I, I, I play in the NFL. I still believe in football speed. It's a real thing. I, I, I've I seen Dre Bly run with Randy Moss. Run and then All run right? from a so tiger. Like, <laughs> like, if you're being chased, yeah, like it's I, human yeah. I know it exists. To be able and to... it's more about geometry and angles and, you know, body control and technique and all those different things. But I've seen guys who run four fives and four sixes do things, you know, and, and, and track down guys who run four threes. Like, it's, you know, it's football. It's not just track. So the, the, the speed doesn't worry me as much as now people are questioning the work ethic. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's – remember we said that's the biggest thing coming out of the combine? People were like, well, did he take the process seriously enough? We know he's not that damn slow. And that's right. like, we know you, he's what not 475. You know, I can go out there and probably run a 475. Hell, Rich Eisen can get closer to running a 475. <laughs> so we know that's not his real speed. Did he just did he just not take the process seriously enough? Did he think that this job interview was something that was, you know, uh, something he could take for granted and not fully commit and devote himself to? And that was a red flag. And I think now he's almost confirmed that theory. Yeah. The speed thing is not even a concern anymore. That the speed thing is not going to drop him in the draft as much now. It's like I don't even know if that guy takes it takes it seriously enough to even be a professional in the NFL. Yeah. Right? Volunteering yeah. You know that info I mean? when it's very – they don't and know that thing yeah. unless you give them that evidence. And it's like, well, end. okay, so let's say he – well, no, well, well, he was being advised uh, to do those things. Well, he's also going to be, be under bad advisement when I draft him mm-hmm. or when I bring him in as an undrafted free agent. I don't want a guy who's taking bad advice, mm-hmm. all right? You know what I mean? I want a guy who's taking good advice, who's smart enough to know what bad advice is. I don't need that guy. You know what I mean? Like that's I think now if I'm a scout, I think and I and I heard this after the combine. I haven't you know talked to anybody after pro day. I think that's the concern now. Yeah, is it's he not just want Is he a? It's is he a bimbo? Just a male bimbo? Like mm-hmm. you just don't mm-hmm. you just don't get it? Did you? I mean, did you think you totally. because of your great season that you were gonna? Oh, the NFL was just gonna roll out the red carpet and you were gonna hit the yellow brick road to the NFL because you've been talking to your boys. Houghton Hill and and Puna and all that and I hope they let you know how tough how tough it was you know what I mean and how hard it is because that's the hardest road to get there you had an easier road if you could have gotten drafted to by a team but you know he, he can still make it as an undrafted free agent no question about it he's yeah. that good he if he gets to an NFL training camp people will see oh that guy's a, a matchup problem all right all right all right I see what to do with him yeah the one thing I was gonna yeah. point out was you know Chris Boyd probably had the money quote from Pro Day he said you know. LJ was on, you got mossed like three weeks in a row. He said, no, we're just questioning the speed at that point, yep. which I agree with. I mean, the film is what it is. The film doesn't, doesn't lie. lie but now, mm-hmm. as you said, Rod, and we talked about this after the combine, now you've got a whole different bag of questions exactly. that have very little to do with the speed. That you just sort of brought up for no reason. Like, yeah. uh, you didn't have to volunteer this ammunition for them to use against you, basically, yeah. just by your actions. Yeah, one being, knock was your speed. It was simple. It's like, it's like showing up, like, the way that, you know, you go to college, and a lot of college really isn't for what you learn, but it's to prove your worth, that you will go through the hard work and do these type of things. Time Football, management, that's, all that. And that's what, like, the NFL combine, if you can't do the simple things like showing, oh, I'm going to work hard for my first interview. I'm going to work hard and please my future possible employer by doing just these standard things that a wide receiver does. It just gives them stuff that they can use against you. And when you have all these other options, especially nowadays when the world just saturated with these skill players, it's only going to be used against you, which can only hurt you. I, I can't remember a Texas wide receiver 
that's either been drafted or made in the league as an undrafted free agent who didn't run routes at the pro day. Yeah. No, it makes no sense. Like, unless you're going to be a top, like Roy Williams and going to go in the top five and you can only hurt yourself. Everybody. Yeah, like if Roy Williams doesn't want to run routes. Smith had like the best route running day we ever saw of a tight end. No, I'm with you. I don't, yeah, I don't get that. I don't understand it. Like Mar- like Marcus Johnson ran routes at his pro day. That probably got him on a roster. He's got yeah. a Super Bowl ring now. Yeah, still around. You. I still I don't. I really don't. I don't understand exactly what what he's doing. I, I really hope the best for L.J. Humphrey. I really do because we saw how talented and how much of oh, a no, unicorn a he is. Which is on the why field. he'll still land somewhere. But then yeah. you can't screw up again. Like you already sort of. It's like how you if you fail the piss test before you go in to the NFL, then it's going to be really hard. Well, now. For the rest of your career, people are going to be looking for to see if you're doing what you should be doing only because right. you have had this sort of tip them off. Like, oh, well, we're going to make sure LJ's hard on staying in shape, which you sort of don't have yep. to say about players these days. Right. You don't hear Whatever the concern is, like if, if the concern is, well, he's lazy, you better be the first guy in the weight room, the meeting room, whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. As you said, Rod, you better you better make it hard to get cut by always being around the facility. So yeah. You, I mean, you, if, if that's you know, if work ethic is the concern, then you need to be that type of guy. He still may get a team that'll, that'll take a chance on him late in the draft. I mean, some team just mm-hmm. may have that luxury and go, Man, we really like him. This will be good to get him. And late doesn't want to don't want to risk losing him in free agency. And be yeah, a team that's exactly. just very confident in what they're looking at yeah. and what they need and the tools and I they mean in the passing game, that's the almost the best position to have that situation be how you're gonna be found. Yeah, but you gotta now I think you gotta know how to use them because right. mm-hmm. the, with the speed concern I think now is pivotal he play in the slot. Hmm. Almost the closer you can get him to the line of scrimmage, the better. Almost has a big flex. Yeah, and you know now I mean? you're expected to <laughs> catch uncatchable balls and those type of things. Yeah. Like you're going to be being drafted on those film tapes that you've seen, and they're going to expect you to outperform sort of what all your metrics say you are actually physically. Yeah. I think that's why Yeah, some people want to see him block. They're like, okay, let's see if we can just add – I start add weight to him. That actually that, makes then that's that way the only his good thing speed becomes an asset and it's not a liability. Right. If you just make him a flex tight end. What about if this would maybe be the case because he's a guy that even though it seemed as if he's a good route runner, maybe isn't the best technician at route running, but was a good blocker or the ability to want to be physical. So he shows that he has this skill that he's able to block and shows it because I thought it was bizarre at first to think about it. But then it's like, well, no, I got my game film. Y'all know how I run routes on film in yeah. game day, okay, you don't think I can block? I'll do some blocking drills. Like, that's the only thing I could think of to put out there. And then he just is so trusting in his game tape, which is not a good decision, but he may be thinking that. He's a uh, – I mean, he's still uh, got a lot of upside. He's had, he hadn't played wide receivers, you know, just yeah, – he was a I running back. For, for, so, you know, for right. three years, something like that, just, just a wide receiver position. So, he's got a lot of upside, man. There's no question about it. I would love him with the Texans. Or if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd love him with the Cowboys. Well, He'd be perfect for them because he could kind of sit back and be a project for them. And how you brought up how teams may lie to you about interests and stuff. I looked it up. Atlanta, mm. two picks before you were drafted, drafted Justin Griffith, the fullback. And then mm. in the fifth round, they t- drafted a guy that doesn't have a position next to yeah. him. <laughs> John Olinger. He looks fullback. like offensive lineman. Talking a fullback over me. That's all right. And at least at Justin Griffith. He's around. <laughs> Um, he was like one of the last fullbacks. Yeah, I just I I hope the best for L.J. Humphrey is just it's going to be, but you know we talk about the tight end thing like okay or a, a big slot like how big is he going to get? 
Um, well, his frame can, could get can put up. up. Yeah, I mean, he played at what two twenty, probably something like that. What was like he? the way that he played at about two twenty. I think he was two ten at the combine. Yeah. I don't know what he was at pro day. He played at two twenty. He probably could add. 15, Be a Ricky Seals Jones on type yeah. body that like Arizona yeah. uses. It's a in big that body and a flex tight end. But well, again, it's going to be one of those deals that's going to have to be a franchise. That's that's confident. And it's got to be the perfect yeah, situation. It's confident yeah. in him. Okay, he'll put it in the work. And like I said, exactly. Like, that's, you said, it's Rod, like it's making the stars the line. Line. It, all, it all goes that's back a, to yeah. that. And, and that, it, we're not even, you said, we're not even talking about the speed anymore. It's. How serious does yeah. he take being a professional? That's lofty expectations for a guy you're questioning the work ethic of right now. Yeah. So we'll see how it works out for LJ Humphrey again. Hopefully it works out for the best. Again, he's got the workout with the Cowboys. We'll see how that goes and kind of track his, yeah. his draft process. But, you know, Rod, it, we always love this time of year because we always talk about guys that are going to make rosters, guys that have a chance to make rosters. And you look the la- each of the last five pro days, Texas has had at least one guy make an active NFL roster as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. So who who are those guys going to be this year? I think there were three guys at the pro day that really helped themselves. I think one was Calvin Anderson, who played. He said he played in about the two eighties, so his one year yeah. at Texas, weighed in at two ninety six, good length, you know, good feet, did thirty reps on the bench, and his three cone shuttle was a seven one three, which is a better time than Charles Amina who ran, uh, even though he Charles dropped weight and retested. Uh, he ran a seven, I believe, a seven two two. Calvin Anderson ran a seven one three on the three cone, so that's good for him. At thirty reps on the bench, he said in training he'd only done twenty eight, so to get to thirty for him was good because he said people were questioning his strength. Rod, he's a guy I can see maybe even being a practice squad guy that, that gets on a practice squad for a year, and maybe it's kind of a developmental guy. The thing that I think teams will like about him, and and you we've talked about this a lot, especially when you talk about offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your best ability is your availability, and you're looking at a guy that started 50 straight games at the collegiate level, never missed a game because of injury. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, and, you know, I think that he's one of those guys that Herb Hand, I think that year with Herb Hand is going to help him out a lot. Herb Hand's got a lot of uh, respectability in those in those coaching circles. And, yeah, I mean, right now in the NFL, they're all looking for projects on the offensive line. Hey, I remember the Browns. Was it Desmond Harrison? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the Browns. He's starting. Uh, I think he started week one for them at left tackle. Yeah, brought him in as an undrafted free agent. And they just liked his size, honestly. Yeah. Just And Calvin Anderson is, what, 6'5"? Didn't we all at one point? Yeah. Like <laughs> that Harrison's was the, yeah. one of the first well, off-the-bus guys Jeff ever yeah. spoke about. He was like, no, this guy off the bus. Now, no, well, I don't know that, about on well, the field, NFL, but he looks like an NFLer. Well, well go look at my – yeah, I mean, NFL teams did the same thing. And I yeah. think with Calvin Anderson, he's, what, 6'5", close – I mean, he probably tried to get him to 300, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think he's got a shot. Yeah, he's got, there's no question he'll get an invite to a training camp. The question that you get to is, can he can he stick for more than, you know, one year, one season? Can he actually make it make an active roster? You know what I mean? And for him, yeah. it'll be it'll be tough because I think he's a he's a little light. You know yeah, I mean? like you said, two ninety. He's at two ninety six. Yeah, he needs to. He probably needs about I don't know ten pounds yeah. on him. But I don't know. He's pretty strong, though. I mean, 30 reps on the bench. I want to say there are only th- five offensive linemen, maybe at the combine, that had more reps on the bench yeah. than he did. So, I mean, that's pretty good. He's and stronger than I thought he was. I think his background, too, graduating from with a was a mathematics degree from Rice. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Oh, he's his help. father's Loves, milita- father smart in the military. Yeah. So, yeah. I think the intangibles with him – 
team will find it'll be yeah i agree with that That's it'll be through the roof, the roof. I, I wrote i was writing some of this down on the fly uh calvin anderson he's got a workout coming up with the texans uh and he's flying out to meet with the vikings i believe next week so he's got some teams lined up the other guy that i the think texans oh the texans man the texans need bodies on their line if he is an undrafted free agent and he can pick where he wants to go he should go to the texans yeah that's the worst offensive line, arguably, in the NFL. And all they did in the offseason was add uh, Khalil, Matt Khalil, I believe, who's been hmm. injured like the last two years. That offense, man, you, you can you can end up end up somehow cracking that rotation, I'm telling you. Like, and it's, that offensive line is really when bad. When you look at these rosters, the way that they really fill out your practice squad and those guys really does align a lot with those local workout camps because they don't oh, like they going do. out of the region. And oh, him yeah. being a Rice guy and a Texas guy would fit huge for that type of – especially if he's a guy There's that There's a pipeline could, there. I won't say the Christian Covington's from Rice, maybe. He just signed with the Cowboys, and but he but he he's, he was from with the yeah. Texans, and so it's a little pipeline. There. Yeah, and the Texans, the Texans will take guys. The local, they'll uh, take guys from the local workout. They drafted Deontay Foreman off the local. Well, workout. I mean, and that's where you yeah. go. Everything from Minnesota and Thielen. When you look at every roster, there's a guy that's made it big time. That's just because he's that local workout camp guy that yep. you know you can keep cheap and get on a practice squad, and then they can learn within and don't take up a roster spot. So if you get that hard worker, which he seems like the perfect fit for that four-year guy, Rice guy, smart guy, to all fit those boxes for them. And I looked up the yeah, combine. He was at Rice, Christian Covington. So they got a slow yeah. pipeline there. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up, he would only five guys did more on the bench than him at the yeah, entire right? combine. It was, so, yep. So, yeah, I mean, actually, Najee. One of them was Kajus from uh, West Virginia, too. Yeah, who I also like. Uh, really, I think for the, for the, the measurables, Texans. probably pretty similar to <laughs> yeah, him. He's yeah. six five, three twelve, with thirty and thirty four inch arms. Yeah, Texas will be looking for an offensive lineman in the draft first and second round. But yeah, if he's an undrafted free agent, that's the beauty of the undrafted free agent. You know, at least you have you can strategically pick out your situation. And Houghton Hill did a really good job, and Puna Ford did a really good job, and that's that's part of it. And Lil <laughs> Jordan Humphrey. Hopefully he doesn't have to do that, but he right. may have to do a really good job of figuring out what situation. So for Calvin Anderson, Texans, baby, Texans. <laughs> and didn't Deontay Foreman just show up to the Texans' local workout? Before I think his so. Draft? Yeah, and that was a big thing that got them. They liked his workout. He, well, he wanted learn. he wanted to get drafted by the Texans. Well, he so said he that. showed up to that, knowing yes. that they yeah. go and pay a lot of he, attention to that. And yeah. it was a tipping point when you hear Bill O'Brien. I heard him talk about it before Deontay's injury. Like, oh, we yeah. don't worry about his rehab. He was here for no reason whatsoever yeah. for a local workout because he wants to. He play wants football to be a Texan. Here. Yeah, he wants to be a Texan. He he said that even before the draft. He said, "I want to be a Texan. I'm a Texans fan." My Family, all Texans fans. I grew up we know. here in H Town. That's all I want. He said. I, and I went to Texas. He said I don't want to leave the state. I just want to make. He said I, I, I want to stay in the state my entire football career. It was really cool. And I think the Texans they bought it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as, you, as you guys know, I mean, we did. And I spent a lot of time with Deontay in the pre-draft process. There, there were. There were a few teams that I really thought were going to take him. I really thought for a minute, like the Patriots. Yeah, were I did too. Oh, that, oh, obviously he, they were looking for a running back. Up, yeah. He flew up there for a meeting and sat down with Bill Belichick and the whole thing. Ooh, but and then yeah. as a rookie, that'd have been nice. The Texans, the Texans did end up taking him. He immediately burnt them in like the oh, that first yeah. preseason game. He got like a fifty-three nice. yard Ooh. slant for a touchdown, and that'd have been good. Yeah. Speaking of smart guys, guys whose fathers are in the military, Andrew Beck, Rod. I I think Andrew Beck has gotten himself from the point where. Maybe we're not talking about him being a priority free agent. 
He might get drafted. He's Greg Swayman. He might pull a Jeff Swain. He's Jeff Swayman. Might pull a Jeff Swain. Because I mean, he, he ran in the kind of the mid four fives to the low four six range in the forty. I know that was big. I did not expect him to be in the <laughs> four. And faster than Lloyd <laughs> Humphrey. I, I talked. So to him, I talked let to him, him. Run the nine round, coach. <laughs> I talked to him after the pro day. He can block too. And you know, he he said the one thing the scouts wanted to see from him was how well he caught the ball. Yeah, because as he put it, what what several scouts told him, look, we know you can block from any position on the field. How do you look catching the ball? And 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 he's got right. He's got a very realistic view on what his NFL future is going to be. Exactly. He said, look, it's probably going to be maybe a third, but probably a fourth tight end slash fullback that you know when a team wants to go to short yardage package. He, he's their oh, yeah, fullback. He's going to try to do everything. He'll try to be a holder. And foot, you know what I mean? Yeah, he even he, said he's he like, look, and, I'll punt, kick, yeah, whatever, you know what whatever I mean? you need me to do. Which, you know, some coaches like those guys because on your roster, you and he ended up playing every special teams and being a fullback and being an H-back. Hmm. Versatility, man. Sounds can, like a Patriot. You can do a lot of jobs and you can do them for cheap. I like that. You know, yes, it's the Patriot way pretty much. <laughs> James Devlin, undrafted for you. No, he is James Devlin. Yeah. Or James that Humanui guy. Exactly right. like they're all the same. Yeah. I mean, am I crazy to think Andrew Beck might get drafted? No. Uh, no, he could Jeff Swayman. No doubt. He could Jeff Swayman or he could, you know, um, uh, was it Ahmad Hollett? Uh, Basically, you know when I mean? Jeff Swaim did it and wasn't a receiver at the time, now you see Andrew Becks at least has more on film and yeah. perform better in workouts. So, no, on paper, he should definitely <laughs> get drafted if Jeff Swaim did. What's going to hurt him is there, there are a lot of freaks in this tight end draft. Yeah. Like, yeah. just physical it's freaks. It's evolving there. Yeah, same thing that's going to hurt like a guy like Chris Nelson from sneaking in. You know but he I mean? like is at a position that is freaks. of high demand, so that's um, big. It is just because, you know, he's not just a tight end. He's a fullback, H-back, tight end, all that kind of stuff. So I think that will help him. The right. fact that he is – actually, we thought, it, we thought it would hurt him here at Texas that we don't know whether he's a tight end or an H-back or a fullback. That is going to be his biggest asset. That hybrid the for NFL. the different personnel the groupings. He is like all he, of you them. can go up yeah. there with different personnel yeah. groupings, and they Sean don't Payne know what loves those guys. Sean Payne's got like two or three of those guys. Yeah, yeah. that Josh the Hill dude, he's and got, then that Dan Arnold them. guy. Yeah, no, they came random. out late in the yeah. year and were catching balls got, all over the place. He's got a bunch of those guys. And speaking of position versatility, PJ Locke, I thought of the guys who were probably going to be priority free agent type guys. I thought he had by far the the best day out of anybody. Uh, waiting at 202, Rod did yeah. 20 reps on the bench, clocked as low as, or 22 reps on the bench. Sorry, 39 inch vertical. Ned made his two uh, reps. The 40 range for him, as far as he knew, was anywhere from a 439 to a 445. Yeah, he said one watch had him as low as a 436. Uh, and he's kind of marketing himself as, look, I'm a nickelback who can cover like a corner and play safety. He knows position versatility, the ability to play multiple spots, be a sub-package guy is how he's going to have to make a roster. But we we look at Chris Nelson being helped by the Puna Ford factor. The Quandre Diggs factor sounds like it's starting to help P.J. Locke in terms of a guy who – not the biggest body in the world, but a guy that plays physical, is willing to throw his body around, and yeah. likes to hit people from that nickel position. Well, um, well, yeah, and well, no doubt. Even before him, though, Adrian Phillips, I, I think, is probably a more, in my opinion, it's a more apt comparison because P.J. Locke, he may end up sneaking up into some rounds now. I mean, I remember guys like Carrington Bindham did just because of his versatility. But I think that Adrian Phillips is what he reminds me of because he played so many different positions. Played corner, played safety, played nickel. And now Quandre did all that too. I think Quandre was a way better cover guy than P.J. Mm-hmm. Like Quandre yeah. could just straight up cover. P.J., I don't know if P.J. is a great helps. cover man. You know what I mean? Like he's uh, Adrian, Adrian Phillips. I didn't think Adrian Phillips was a great cover man. 
Right. But I knew he was a smart football player, smart as hell, because Coach Akina kept saying it. He was physical. He was willing to strike you. And, and Quandre is uniquely small but willing to strike you. Um, and, and PJ's a little bigger than Quandre. Uh, I think he may be closer to what Adrian Phillips is, in my opinion. But that's why Adrian, Adrian Phillips was able to make a career out of playing in the NFL because he was smart, he was versatile, and he was consistent. You know what I mean? So that's, that's my comparison because I don't think he can cover that. I think that's his weakness. Is that he can't cover, but he can. He makes up for that with the fact that he's he's so multidimensional. Right. And then you know you brought up earlier the value that you can get in a guy like him, and you mentioned Holton Hill earlier, and I just found the numbers from Pro Football Focus on it. But a guy like him that went undrafted or really late, out of 200 cover snaps last year or more, he ended up being sixth with a passer rating allowed of just 67, ahead of guys like Stephon Gilmer at 71 percent, Denzel Ward was 70 percent, Minka Fitzpatrick was at 67. Yeah. So you can, I mean, just seeing that type of production is going to get guys to come and look at the DBs because the laundry list that you just brought up in the way oh, yeah. that you can get the immediate production and you may be able to tap it out here before everybody sort of realizes that the value is going to be Herman is probably going to be able to be the last guy to have it where the players they're probably going to start getting drafted where you expect them to get drafted that value may be seeping out exactly. of the university these old guys will get drafted it's the you very know, the end of guys Lock lower should be, than should be a guy getting drafted in the seventh or the sixth round but what ha- it's, 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 it's interesting. Go look at the undrafted free agents. I read your column at Horns 24-7. It's really, really good, really well done. About the that, amount man. of undrafted free agents right now in the NFL uh, from, from Texas. I think there were 12 of them out of the 12. 29. Yeah. Uh, More than 29 players. Almost. And Phil, yeah. Phil, Do- <laughs> Phil Dawson's one of the 12. He's the only one that doesn't yeah. fall. Phil Dawson the is the biggest exactly. freak of and, nature. He's pre-Mac. It's absurd. And most of them have come. Uh, more, most recently, right, during the Texas down years, the mm-hmm. undrafted free agents go up. And that's not a coincidence, of course, because the talent is going undeveloped. The production when, on the field is not there. You know what I mean? Underdeveloped. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in that fact, the NFL goes, oh, well, let's go. Let's go. Back in the day when I was Again, playing, those it was, five stars. It was What's like happening? Marcus Wilkins and D.D. Lewis. Every now and then you would get a really good undrafted free agent out there, you know, Priest mm-hmm. Holmes back in the day. But for the most part, man, those guys ended up getting drafted in the Mac Brown 10-plus win years. Mm-hmm. Man, those guys, are, those guys are getting drafted. Then they were the getting drafted over rounds. Yeah, stuff like that. And, yeah, because everybody's coming here and then Texas is winning. And, like, man, they, they're their second and third team guys are really good, too. They're, you know, they're, they're producing talent and they're uh, pro- producing and developing talent at a really high level in 2010, as soon as Texas falls off, you can literally see the undrafted free agents from Texas start to spike. Yeah. And remember that 2014 year for Charlie Strong, that first year? I think you wrote a piece about this too, how many undrafted free agents came out in that class. Mm -hmm. They ended up being really good players. Adrian Adrian Phillips is in that class. You're talking about after the 13 season? Yeah, Yeah. after that 13 season in that that class. Yeah, that was Adrian Phillips, Jackson Jeffcoat, Trey Hopkins, Donald Hawkins. Ken Perkins. No, Perkins Perkins was later. Was he? But gosh, there's Somebody else, Carrington Bindham was a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were like, there were like a ton of probably guys. six or seven guys that hung around for at least a year. Or more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even Jackson Jeffcoat. Jackson Jeffcoat's carved out a really nice career for himself in the CFO. He was a pro day yesterday. Yeah, so I, my, my point is, like, it's it's one of those things where I think now, as Matt mentioned, you'll get less undrafted free agents, and that should be the case in much this like may be the last or Clemson year. or Ohio State. You shouldn't be having, you know, Texas shouldn't have that many undrafted right. free agents. 
It and, shouldn't be the bargain bin no, wholesale warehouse that it, that's become. I, real quick on PJ Locke, teams that he said he's either met with or meeting with or interested: uh, the Bucks, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Steelers, and the Ravens. Uh, all teams that have been interested in him. Rod, to your point, one of my takeaways, and I did a takeaways piece on the site. One of my takeaways was, you know, watching the guys work out. You look around and see some of the current players watching, and you know, you look at guys like Junior Angelau, Brendan Eagles, Jalen Green, Caden uh, Stearns was out there watching, and you're like, well, some of these guys put out workout clothes and started working out for the scouts. They wouldn't be out of place at all. No, it, it's just a different. Mm, yeah. It's a different breed of cat. Tom Herman's bringing into this program right now. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty obvious. That you know those guys coming in have a really really high ceiling, and you know these these older guys though I do like that they're I think they are going to be really good for the psyche and for the culture that they're leaving because those guys they 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 were so downtrodden for a while and they experienced such a low i mean some i mean Charles Minnie who remembers losing to Kansas yeah um i'm glad they were able to implement that plant that little seed in some of these youngsters so that that entitlement that crept in and deteriorated and decayed the culture of Texas football you know for you know 4 or 5 years you know, it won't it won't creep back in. Like they still remember that. Like even when they they just played, they went from losing to Kansas to playing in the Sugar Bowl in like the three years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> so that I'm glad that still rings to some of the guys that's on the team and that Charles Amenahu and some of the players on there. They still were able to Im, Im, you know impart that message to the young guys. I like that. That that's gonna keep them hungry for a yeah. long time. Even the Maryland opener last year is yeah. enough to do even it because say, it's exactly. that imba- it wasn't yeah. Kansas embarrassing, but it was embarrassing yeah. and unexpected that then they were like, oh, man, it's just a reality slap that yeah. quick. That's sort of why you like having that game so early, the non-conference, because it sort of shows that you really can lose one of those and survive even though it's not preferred. Yeah, because our undrafted free agent discussion basically tells you that te- Texas does have talent. I mean, it, they did have talent. They just stopped yeah. developing that talent. Mm-hmm. And you, can, you can really see when Max stopped developing it. Pretty yes. much. It's around 2010, 2009, actually. actually when Earl starts, leaves. Yeah, it, it really yeah, it starts in 2009, but Colt's here. So Colt's here drinking raw milk and yeah. unpasteurized milk. That was great. A freaking I had Superman. to tweet out yeah. Jake Gruden. Why Shibley. does he volunteer yeah, that? It doesn't even matter. So him and Jordan Shibley, they just dominate college right. football with the greatest bromance ever. But mm-hmm. we remember watching them not being able to move the ball on rice. Yep. On, you know what I mean? On first uh-huh. and goal. We remember those moments. And I think that's what that was kind of the beginning of the end. And that's when Mac Brown stopped developing that talent. He was still bringing in talent, stopped developing that talent. Tom Herman, he is, he's, a, he's a freak and he's a obsessive compulsive about developing talent and about the little things. So he's far from being where grandfather Mac was in 2010. When and at this, at this point, if, if you're not a believer in Yancey McKnight, I don't know what else you need to see. Yeah, Brecken yeah. Hager is a primary example of that, right? Brecken mm-hmm. Hager, what did he jump? Thirty nine. He jumped thirty nine. Yeah, all those White guys. can't jump. He jumped thirty nine and a half. That's had like a ten, ten three broad jump, I think. That's crazy. Yeah. What like, the hell? That's yeah. crazy. He's I like, mean, yeah, that's freakish right there. He's a good example of you look. You look at the development, son. Yeah. The development Charles Amenahu had. The development PJ Locke had physically, yeah. like. You can't – the best way I can put it, there was a, pl- a player of, of a guy, at the, a parent of somebody who was participating in Pro Day who, you know, we were talking and we actually started talking about Yancey. He's like, yeah. He's like, we just were here during the wrong four-year period. He's like, it's hmm. about to get really good around here. There you go. Pretty much. 
exactly right. And uh, I, I, you can see, you can see it too. You really can. Like you said, you can kind of see it in the guys. And that's what started the conversation. It's like if you look over Tom's, the, this is third spring. He's like, it just, yeah, the the noticeable difference just in how guys look and what they look like running around on the field. Oh, and it's, the guys see each other too, and they see their own development. So then they buy in even more. Then they're doubling down in their belief and faith in the program. Not only do they believe in the football product, they believe in the strength and conditioning part of the product too. So yeah, now you got the now everything's about to steamroll. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. It's it's pretty to me. It's 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 pretty it's pretty promising. And when you brought up the downfall, just that aligns with that 2009. It was just like when I was watching the NCAA tournament, and it like seeing Gardner Webb triggered it into me. And I was like, I remember Texas playing Gardner Webb, and I immediately was like, I know why. That was when Texas was unanimous number one in basketball for the first time. And you aligned Colts injury in a week later. Oh yeah. And Texas falls off and loses six of eight basketball games after being unanimous number one. Yeah. And Texas basketball has not developed talent since then and texas football hasn't they've had talent texas has seen all these lottery picks at the top yeah but you've got no production out of it and we're literally in 2019 we're a decade it's been a decade where both programs fell off a cliff in the same week in january post colt mccoy and whenever whatever happened to that barnes team in 09 that never ever came back yeah it's crazy so it's also ridiculous that people anybody would question texas basketball's talent they have have tons of talent every single year you have all (laughs) like nba defensive player of the year (laughs) miles turner is going to be in the top three or top for defensive they player of the year. Tons of talent. That's not the issue. That's not. And that, I don't think that's ever been an issue for what's with Texas football. Jackson either. Hayes is another one. I don't He's think. It, I don't think there. that was the issue. There were no. other issues. The talent's it's, been no, there. I mean, in both programs. But for the whole you decade. know, I heard Urban Meyer say this one time, and I, I hate citing Urban Meyer for various reasons. But I heard him say this after his tenure Regarding in Florida, football, which again that was his own undoing. But anyway, the point I'm getting <laughs> to is, I once heard Urban Meyer say the reason why it fell off at Florida, he felt it fell off at Florida was. They got so concerned with acquiring talent that mm. they forgot what it took to build a team. Yeah, and I think great. We, we saw that at Texas. Like, why well, they got they got top fifteen recruiting classes? Yeah, exactly right. yeah. there's no question with the talent. But what are you? What system are you recruiting this talent to? If you're yeah. changing offenses every year, <laughs> exactly right. Well, then what the hell are you really doing? You're just spinning your wheels. No what, have you seen what type of you're football fi- we're playing here in Central you're Texas? Firing, okay, you're Garrett, firing defensive SEC coordinators. Football. You're firing defensive yeah. coordinators every two or three years. Exactly right. Yep. Exactly yeah. right. It takes a. Uh, it you know I mean it takes a lot more to build a championship team than just bringing in the talent and that's that's a big part of it right but texas had talent that texas shouldn't have been losing games like they were losing games and losing to teams like kansas, kansas. they had better talent than that that's the whole point texas basketball should be in the tournament i don't know they should they're not going to win the tournament but they they have enough talent to be in the tournament right. and that's kind of the point i think texas the sports fans get to with whatever program you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm, uh, I'm venturing over it into basketball. It all lines, yeah, man. <laughs> it's all Texas sports, and they're all frustrating for a while. Matt, we don't have a ton of time left this week, do we? No, we can go as long as you want, though. Okay. Well, hell, we'll make it work. Um, let's talk some spring football. And, Rod, I know it's the spring and injuries in the spring aren't nearly as catastrophic as they are in the fall, but starting to get a little thin at safety. Brandon Jones on the shelf with the ankle surgery. Caden Stern's now on this shelf. He's finally getting this knee problem taken care of that's been bugging him for almost a year now. And now I find out B.J. Foster has a concussion. So while I do think there's something to be said for, hey, Chris Brown and DeMarvion Overshone and Josh Thompson are getting all this work, 
the one injury that kind of concerns me is B.J. Foster, not because of anything to do with like his long-term health or anything like that, mm-hmm. but the fact that he's moving to a new position. And we've talked a lot about just how important that nickel position is, specifically mm-hmm. in this defense and in this conference. This is a spring where I want B.J. Foster working as many reps in that nickel position as he can possibly get. Yeah, I. What concerns me is you know, and I, I don't. I'm, I'm not worried about the guys being healthy for spring. I mean, spring football is what it is. You know, as long as they're healthy for the season, that's all right. that matters. My my concern is it's kind of along the lines with yours is that we haven't seen a defense have this much of an exodus of talent and experience probably in 30 years on the 40 acres. They lost 223 combined starts. They lost eight starters. We haven't seen a defense lose that much. That, four, that 14 defense, I think I figured out, I think it was like 201. 200. Yeah, think, it was like right around 200. Nose, yeah. yeah, so we just haven't really seen this much talent leaving. Now there's a lot of talent coming back, and that's great, but it takes time to develop you know, communication and uh, continuity and a little camaraderie and the culture on defense, You know, the leadership, all that kind of stuff, accountability. And, you know, with the safeties being out, I think that's where your leadership started, or at least was going to start on this particular defense, Brandon Jones, Caden Stearns, hell, and even B.J. Foster. And those guys are going to be out for the spring, not worried about their play. They'll come back and they'll be great. They'll play at all-conference, all-American levels. But now it may take the defense a little bit more of a uh, time to find its groove when the season starts. You know what I mean? And you got LSU early on. And, hell, even last year we saw, hey, man, Maryland can, you know, throw a little jab in there. So I'm not – in a in a time where I know inexperience is going to be the big concern, linebacker is a big concern to me. I'm worried about now the defense communicating with largely mostly new starters, right. learning how to communicate different things like, you know, this is when you fix the glitches within the defense, right? So we're running a, a cover three and we had a, a combo coverage or a tango coverage and you missed the outside cut, and you you know I didn't I didn't go over the top. Then now we can fix that, so I don't get we don't have to worry about that happening during the game. You know what I mean? And you learn how to communicate those different things, and so I that's that's what they're gonna miss. Like they're not gonna be able to have that opportunity. And this is gonna be mostly a new defense. Todd Orlando's never had he's haven't had a defense this um, I would say this new to him because he mostly inherited starters his last three stops at Texas U of H. And at Utah State, you got to go all the way back to Connecticut, like 2010, when he had a defense that he largely recruited. Um, this is going to be, I think, mostly eight out of these 11 starters are going to be guys that he himself recruited. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, but it's going to be all new, and that's my concern. How, how much now, though, going back to your time at Texas and then the, the, the few years after you left, how much now of an emphasis does this put on summer seven on sevens? And more specifically, mm-hmm. now the fact that the NCAA does allow coaches, I think you can do get eight eight hours a week with your players, and I think two yeah. of them can be football specific, like coaching hours. Those few hours you've got in the summertime, if you're Todd Orlando, Craig Niver, Jason Washington, Oscar Josh, you got to maximize the hell out of those eight hours. And specifically, I think it's those two that you get where it's football-specific stuff during the week. And, you know, I think that's why Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns, how long are they going to be out, is big because in the off time when the coaches can't be there, but you still can you still can work install. 
We still yeah. can watch film. You know what I mean? We still can break down defense and, and talk defense and talk shop. And we can go out there and run seven on seven with our own players and everything and work on our coverages. That's got to be organized by the leaders. That's the leaders that organize that. Yeah. You know, so I wonder who's going to take on that leadership role because the linebackers, we can't tell you who the leaders or linebackers are. Maybe it's Jeffrey McCulloch. I mean, you got to play to be a leader, though. Hell, we don't know who's going to play yet. And on the defensive line, it's going to be largely new guys. But I love that Malcolm Roach and Taquan Graham are there. But, you know, the defensive line doesn't work much in the offseason with the, with the players. So, yeah, who organizes those yeah, workouts? Who's going to get it in? Say, hey, man, we got to watch own, film yeah. tonight, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Because you lost, you know, P.J. Locke. And you had somebody every year, right? It was a, a P.J. Locke there or, you know, it's – not saying Houghton Hill was one of those guys. But, hell, they had P.J. Locke there every year. And P.J. Locke, from what I understood – He was, was one of those guys. He yeah. was one of those guys. Like, he was he was a straight-up leader. He, he, even with Chris Boyd and Deshaun Elliott and all those guys there, like, he was a leader. And I think he kind of passed that on to Brandon Jones, who Todd Orlando calls the dude. Yeah, PJ mm-hmm. and I were talking about this after Pro Day yesterday. We were talking about playing the nickel position, which, you know, I, I like picking his brain about it. And I said, you know, how tough that position is. I said, is is it an instinct thing or is it a film study thing? He's like, he's like that position's hard enough as it is. You better be watching a lot of film and, and better have all your stuff together. Yeah, man. Because he's like, you're still going to get beat. You're still going to have yeah, gonna get problems beat. because just the nature of the position. He's like, but you better you better have all your stuff ready. You better have watched some film before you get on that field. I know. That's a great question, too. I was going to go back and start looking at all the nickel backs at Texas and see, like, which ones have been the best because – Man, it's it's a tough position to play in the modern era. Back in my day, you know, I mean, I was good at it, but I didn't have to deal with what these guys have to deal with. I mean, every they didn't have to take on that, you know, know, I mean, I didn't fullbacks from Nebraska either. Much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point. But I did have some a guy named Macavica running great downhill point. looking to take your head <laughs> off. Macavica's yeah, but yes. yeah, it's almost like so. Would I rather going up against yeah the uh, the option offense on Nebraska? Or would I have rather gone up against the wide receivers in the Big 12 this year? You know what I mean? How like, much has that evolved? Right. <laughs> the nickelback going from taking on lead blockers yes, and the option yeah. to uh, taking but on like, the best gotta, wide receivers yep, out there. Yep, they still got to take take on the run game. They still got to beat them on the run. They yep. got to do so much. They got to blitz, take on the run game. They got to drop back in coverage and play zone. They got to play man-to-man. And they got to do it against a, a wide receiver, usually one of the team's most athletic explosive wide receivers right. with a two-way go. Yes, yeah. Man, it, it's the hardest position to play, and I think the most important position in the Big 12. Yeah, to your, Just, to your so point, Rod, different. about the about the different responsibilities, if it's a run support situation and, and you know, let's say the backside guard is pulling and his responsibility is kick out the end man on the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. well, if you're the nickel back and you just oh, happen man. to be the end man on the line of scrimmage, that's 200-pound P.J. Locke versus <laughs> – 330-pound backside guard. Dude, and there's no technique your coach taught you no. that's going to work with that. It's like, no. Coach, no. the technique that you taught me does not apply. Sure. Your force you're dealing with that matter. much mass. Yes. You know it's I mean? inertia. It travels <laughs> right through you. Yeah, so, no, man, it is. I And think about the here's the here's the lineage of the nickel position. What's your biggest so fear, far? Austin? It's, no, that man. I like how it's, Rod has this just handy in the stack of papers. It's, it's me, 99, going back to 99. Me, Nasty Nate, uh, Huff Daddy played it for a little minute. They had a young Michael Griffin in it for it for a little while. They had um, I'm trying to go in order here, but I'll, I'll probably get out. Kenny Vaccaro, I believe, played it for a little while. Then there's Quandre, Duke Thomas. I missed Aaron Williams. Aaron, Aaron Williams played. I uh, missed minute. Aaron Ross too. Uh, Aaron Ross. I don't know if Aaron Ross played the nickel. 
I think he was always outside. I don't know if he played inside. I think he did in the 2005 season. Yeah. I don't know. I got to go back and check. This is just the ones that I, I know played the nickel for a little while. He did put Earl Thomas there in the spring, but then he never put him there like in the actual game. So that's how I got to do it. I, I think, I think Earl PJ turned Lott. out okay. Huh? Yeah, I know. But Earl, Earl could have played the nickel. He, he could have. No, Coach Aquino initially was putting him at the nickel. Like, you go back, and Coach Aquino was like, yeah, the perfect skill set. I'm going to play him at the nickel. And then he put him at safety, and that discussion was pretty much over. Yeah. He was just so instinctual, covered so much space, and could do so much damage. He could do so much more damage at safety. Than no, uh, that's one mm. thing. At whatever level, high school, college, uh, you don't hear him out as much in the NFL because guys have set positions. But when you hear a coach say, I would love to have him at this certain position, but he's so valuable to us here, we can't afford to move him. That's mm-hmm. Oh, I know that's who that a, guy is in the 2019 class. It's Jordan Whittington. He's that guy. Yeah. Because he, you know what I mean? He, you think, like, man, you could put, they got him at running back right now, right? Because we need him there. Yeah. But as slot, where he could motion back into the backfield yeah. if you need him and do different things, mm-hmm. that's where he really belongs. And Tom Herman even he said, really said this week, like, he was asked how much, you know, H is Jordan Whittington working. Not much because yeah. you need all hands on deck at running back. You right need now. him at running back. So, but I would doubt by the end of the season, it's just him and Keontae getting 80% of the carries. But even right now, like, you, you think about the workload. I think we talked about this last week. Back in camp, they had seven running backs on scholarship. Yeah. Seven. We just had one leave, right? We well, Kyle Porter's been in the transfer portal. Yeah. Hasn't been with the team. But now it's official. He's going to U of H, right? He's going U of H. But Rod, if you're the fifth running back, six, seven, how the hell are you get any work? You're not. Yeah. It's easy to recruit that position right now. That's a good thing for yeah. uh, Texas because they only they don't have but you know two guys that, in my opinion, that are qual- But I will say this: I I was saying two years ago it was the it was the weakest position in terms of overall talent on the team, and I said that back to back years. That is no longer the case. Like, I don't know if it's the – well, I don't know. But I'm just saying I don't know. It may be still be the weakest position. Well, I don't it, know because now they've upgraded with Keontae Ingram and with Jordan Whittington back-to-back years. You've added tremendous talent there. It was much better than what you've you know had what I mean? since so it's, I, I can't say I can't say it as cavalier, you know what I mean, and as well, think about it from this standpoint, though. Before. Let's say the two most questionable positions on linebacker. this roster. No, I, well, okay, let's, I let's go three. Linebacker. Let's go three, right? Okay. Line, running back, tight end, linebacker. I, we, I like tight end, Well, okay, though. but hear me out, because we really don't know, no, you don't like, know. what point. you've really got with mm-hmm. K. I agree that. We don't but know. think about this. Those are your three questionable positions right now. But look at your top two guys at running back. You got Keontae Ingram, who's in the top ten in school history for rushing yards as a freshman, averaged, what, five yards a carry yeah. mm-hmm. last year. Jordan Whittington, who we all saw what he's capable of at the high school level. Yeah. I think you're much better off than you were a couple years ago having those two guys right at the top of your depth chart, as you said. Tight end. It's just, okay, can these guys take this talent and turn it into production? Reece Kate Brewer, Reese Lato, even Jared Wiley, who's had a, a really good spring so far. And then at linebacker, I don't think it's a it's a physicality question. It's a talent question with Jeff McCulloch or Delia Dayaway. I know DeGabriel Floyd's on the shelf with the neck deal, and that's a whole yeah. different ball game, and we'll see what happens. But at least you've got talent there. At least you've got bodies there that you think can play. It's not like, ah, uh, there's been times, Rod, where we looked at this depth chart and looked for guys to fill that out and go, man, I hope that is, guy can play. Is Gabriel Florida middle? What is he playing? He can play either or, Mike Mac or Rover. He can play, he can play Mac or Rover. Okay, they, yeah. got, they got him playing Mac now? Like, who's, yeah. Well, he's not clear for contact right now, though. Okay. Because of the neck, the neck injury. Okay. But yeah. you've got Jeffrey McCulloch at Rover, Delia Dayaway. I just Mac. think they're more. That's a good point. No, I, yeah, but he, okay, that's more like tight end, though, right? 
Yeah. Though, yeah, in terms of we just, we there is talent, but we have no idea if they're going to meet expectations You don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. Okay, so I agree with you on that. I, I, that's a good point. There is talent now at linebacker, no doubt. I'll just. So I guess from the, that standpoint, Rod, running back might have moved up the pecking order because at least you know what you've got with Keontae Ingram. And I love Jordan Whittington. I got, yeah, I'm a, I mean, who doesn't? And honestly, you probably know what you've got with Danny Young, who Danny Young's not going to be a first-team all-conference type guy, but you could do a lot worse for a number three running back. No, they've done, I would say Tom Herman does a great job of, I mean, think about the two years. We were talking about an offensive identity crisis two or three years ago, and every position has received significant upgrades, either they be, you know, for the for the time being, for the short term, meaning I got to get a graduate transfer in here because Trey Watson. That's why we forgot about running back too, because Trey Watson was great last year. Yeah. I was talking about a, a guy who came in and gave you much needed depth and mm-hmm. production there. He was awesome. Yeah, that's where that grad transfer running back market can always be big right? every year. You got almost a thousand yards from scrimmage from Trey Watson. I think it was like nine twenty nine. Come on, man. And so that was a short-term solution. Keontae Ingram is a long-term solution, and so is Jordan Winningson. So I do – I just like their approach to everything. Tight end was kind of like that too. Look what Andrew Beck did, maximized Andrew Beck, and now we got the young guys coming in the pipeline. Um, offensive line, of course, gets the same treatment year after year, right? Uh, you get your graduate transfers in, but still building through the pipeline. So I just love the way they address – the issues and wide receiver. I, I mean, it's enough said about wide receiver. I don't need to say anything. <laughs> and, and offensive line will throw them in there too, Rod. From looking at them this spring, that's a group that look. These, these guys look talented. I don't know what it's going to look like. Whatever that starting five looks like when they step on the field against Louisiana Tech, yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like. We know more about them though, right? So we like we because love because we've, we've seen Kirsten, we've seen Okafor in games, Shackleford, yeah, Shackleford, you and know, Parker Braun coming in is yeah. a proven well a proven commodity outside of the Big Twelve, but. No, so, he's a proven commodity. You can say it. He's a proven right? commodity. So yeah, compared to previous years. Yeah. So, so previous years, I, we've hey, had man. a ton of questions. We, exactly. We know more about the offensive line this year than it's we know than the it's last been. two years. No disrespect to Calvin Anderson, but we were hyped about Calvin Anderson. He was an honorable mention all-conference USA guy. Parker Braun's a two-time first-team All-ACC all guy. All-ACC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a line of scrimmage league. And, yeah, I mean, you've had, you've had coaches be like, no, he, he won them games. No, he like he was pancaking my my, my top defensive line. Yeah. Like, that dude's a grown man. Yeah, He's a mauler. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So, I think I, I like the way the offensive line's going, and I trust Herb Hand. There's a lot of Herb Hand trust there because yes. he's earned it, too. Right. You know what I mean? I just I, I like what he's going to do. I feel like he will address if there's an issue with, you know, figuring out who the right tackle is or uh, if Kerr is not, you know, doing what he wants. I think he'll figure it out. But, again, we're not, we're not talking about – we're not talking about a team that – lacks talented depth. Like we're starting oh, no. to see talented yeah. depth at just about every position on the roster. I agree. Which there about were times time. under Mac and times under Charlie and even Herman's first year, we couldn't say that. No. Yeah. No. It's I'm like with you. like the offensive line Herman's first year, especially when Connor Williams won, it's like, damn, who are the five healthy guys they could put out there yeah. run out there this week? I remember one game, I forgot what game was Jake McMillan's playing like with a club. <laughs> on his hand because he had a broken hand, but they didn't have anybody else. <laughs> they didn't have anybody. No, I remember like, when we got a red shirt. Like, no, we have nobody else. Early Please. on in Troy's team, this is a testament to Herb Hand again and, and Tom Herman. Man, when Dom Espinosa goes down and, you know, and then, of course, David Ash went down too. I mean, that that really, that was it. That was the season. That, like, it was done. That season, like, season was done. Yeah, that first season, game. It was over. Uh, Texas lost their starting center early on last year, and it didn't completely implode the offensive line. Right. That's a testament to Herb Hand. 
And, yeah, you end up having your quarterback go down in two games, and that still did not implode your season. You still got to the Big 12 championship and still, you know, showed out in the Sugar Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that they address what could, the contingency plan, too. Like, man, what if this happens? That's what, what I love about Tom What if this Herman. guy goes down, yeah. man? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Those like, are the small details he's, he's, that you prepared. You can tell he sits around there. He sits around the table and goes, well, what happens if that guy gets hurt? The Casey Thompson uh, story that he's like, Casey Thompson, we need him to get first-team reps. We need him to get first team rush. Yeah, because look at Texas. They've used a second uh, second quarterback or at least mm-hmm. two quarterbacks every year since, what, Garrett Gilbert? So has yeah. Tom Herman. And so has Tom Herman. He's like, no, I need that guy to be ready. That guy will play. I don't know how he's going to play. I can't predict it. But trust me, we're going to be like, holy Chicago, he's got to play. And that's the person that is so be focused ready. on. And it's a thing that you see more and more in football. Like, you're just focused on situational football. And the idea yeah. that that is just an example yeah. of situational football. Now, it's not a third and three situation or it's not a blitz situation. It's a what if this happens injury and you still have to have something. And then if you have that and have that type of depth, like you said, it can be that first time whenever you have a plan and actually have the talented depth to not have a massive drop-off if crap hits the fan. Right. I think that we don't have time to get into it this week, but, Rod, I think that's another reason for bringing in Larry Fedora as an analyst and bringing in a guy like Andre Coleman because Tom Herman – In case something happens, what? Well, Tom Herman has to look at this program and say – Look, I can't be so consumed with, okay, what are we going to call if we get in this situation in the red zone? Yeah. I've got to be thinking about personnel and making sure I'm meeting with as many people yep. in this organization as possible to make sure we have everything. That's his man behind yeah. the You know, it's, it's all no, the bolts are tightened, make sure everything. It's kind know. of the new age, the new the age, in the, booth. the new age CEO type coach. Like yeah. we used to call Mac Brown a CEO type coach. Well, you handle this and, and you're delegating, but no, right. you've now you have to have your hand. You have to be a game planner. You have to be yeah. a salesman. You have to be you a personnel be to call guy. The plays if you need to. You have need to be a be. play caller. You have to be involved in <laughs> yeah. so many aspects of it. Yeah, yeah those you analysts are huge. Put on any hat at any time and say, Recruiter. "All right, I'll do yeah. this. Yeah, we can't do it. I'll do it. Then I'll figure out who to hire for it later." But I agree. That's why he likes Fedora because I do think he's grooming Fedora. If like, hey man, down the line, if I really like your ideas and the tasks that I give you, if I give you, hey, I need. Third, I need third and three, third and four, third and five, third and six plays. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I need. I need five of each. I need, I need to be creative, and I need them to be really, really, like, specific and isolated on who you attack. You know what I mean? You give them stuff like that. I need them RPO-specific, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he comes back with really cool stuff, and he goes, man, Larry Fedora can take us to the next level within the scheme, within parameters of my scheme. He's my guy to call the plays because, like you said, he, he doesn't need to be calling plays because he is that guy that wants to have his hand in everything and checking on everything, just calling the plays. Make sure you look ask Lincoln Riley. It's hard to focus on the defensive side of the ball when yeah. your when your focus uh, uh, control is is creative on offense. It's hard to do that. And he's out of where his norm was, all the way from a grad assistant up to calling plays. He had been in the booth and be able to be that type yeah. of guy that have everything at his disposal, like you have with your notes here. And now you sitting around, nice your, chaos. now you got a head, <laughs> headset and players and everything going in his. And like literally, just throw that stuff down. So that's why I think he's so amped up sometimes because uh-huh. he doesn't like he's too he has passionate. Yes, to do this, and my mind's going yeah. crazy. About he's too what's... passionate to be down there on the field and calling plays. That's why he doesn't like it. He likes like Matt says to be up there in the booth 
and then I'm controlled environment. I don't have to worry about getting sucked into the the passion. And that's and what he, he was because yeah. there's so much going through your head. Time. And you got first your, time you got, you got your, your play seat, you got your highlighters yeah. out. Maybe you got a nice you spittoon, know, spittoon and a diet coke right well, there. You yeah. got your you got your analysts over here. You're like, hey man, you know how many times we've been in fourth and whatever. You know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Travis, you like my line about the spittoon? Try her, Travis. Oh yeah, over there. That's every single coach. How many, how many, pay, how many times do you see a game camera pan to the press box? The coach either has a spit cup next to him or is caught in, like, in the middle of the act. Just couldn't yep. have that. Oh, oh, the camera's on your coach. Yeah, they got, probably got a guy. Co- camera's on your coach. Coach, camera's on your coach. Okay. When you said analyst, it reminded me of maybe one of the funniest. I'm just infatuated with Ed Orgeron because he's like a swamp monster himself. But one of the funniest things that he said all last season, it was like an interview after a big win. And they asked, oh, what was the key tonight? And he's like, oh, this amazing work by our analysts. Nobody can even imagine what they're doing. And it just like coming Japanese, from us. Is that Orgeron? No, but you never heard his guttural vibe. <laughs> just a horrible impersonation. But, yeah. Ed Orgeron's funny on so many levels, but when he is talking about the amazing work of analysts blowing his mind, it was like, oh, yeah, all right. They're probably like, coach, you're gaining six yards per play when you run this play, and you've only run it three times. It was like blowing his mind. He had never We should run this play every time. Like, I think, yeah. Yeah. Old school guys like that. Those type of things are perfect, you know? That's why I think at some Herman likes It's a great marriage. That's why I think ultimately he he gives up that responsibility. I think Larry Fedora is the one he is grooming for it and, and we talk about a coach that likes to have or needs to have his hand in as many pots there's a reason why tom herman still coaches the punt team that's exactly right it, yeah exactly because he's like oh no nah, that's important you don't know it's really yeah. important the stats that i have say that if the gunners are <laughs> fast you know what i mean he's he's one of those guys which is kind of i like that those are belichickian that's that's saving like that's what those guys do they really are saving isn't everything like coach i love coach brown but coach brown never corrected my back pedal or my <laughs> You know what I mean? My yeah. my posture or, you know, my Every my details level. are involved. He never said it. It was always like, eh, eh. it was Jason Garrett. Eh. Yep. Keep it going. You know what I mean? <laughs> good job. Good job. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's, go. Merle, let's go. Good guys. energy. Good energy. I mean, he was, which was great. But he was never. He's not telling you exactly, specifically how to get writing down on the little folded he's, up piece of paper that looks like this one. Mac I got is right not here. on the dry erase board. That's not what he's going to do. That's not his talent, though. And no. those modern coaches, elsewhere. they're yeah. just literally every detail yeah. about every aspect yeah. you have to be exactly. on top of. I really yeah. want to know what Mac was writing on that folded up piece of paper. Oh man, those would be great. He should write a book. He's probably it's like in Lebowski well, yes, when he goes yeah. and looks at it, and yeah, it's but just like all a, of his writings. And so it's probably just yeah, I don't know what. It like is. if you notice, like Tom Herman, and this is random. Like he's got a like a Manila folder, like folded in half. Mm-hmm. With notes in that's where that's where he takes his notes. Oh, does he? Yeah. Well, I don't know if he likes a harder though. surface to write well, on. Well, you, you sweat you, through. Like you say, you're doing that's so many good, things, Matt. That's a great point. No, that yeah, I never your paper. Of. I've had r- many paperwork ruined by water. Then you got to have something. Contained. That's a great point. Yeah, but he's got to write it down because he does so many things. He could take out his phone and scribble it in there, but you mm. know, just write it down. Like, oh, I need to, I need to correct that dude on his, on his, uh, on his hand, his hand placement. On you know on that on that punt play like he's you know he's one of those guys so he's like oh, I gotta write that down I'm gonna forget that when I well, go Matt, talk to him Matt's the reason for why the Manila folder is the the tool <laughs> of choice I, I I'm blown away and I, I have not thought of that <laughs> well because and it makes total sense because you know how many camps I've covered where I've had like a roster sheet like in my back pocket and then sweat through a pair of shorts <laughs> sweat and, straight like, through it it's all just That's gross and nasty at the end of the day does yeah. he put it does he tuck it back in his crotch though. 
Is that what you tuck stuff? Well, I that's think why he has the manila folder. No, I think crotches and then their butts. Yeah, butts at, are offensive you know line I mean? coaches. So that's why your stuff is getting. And so some, yeah, at the camps, they was like, uh, take some, it out of their butt. Somebody on, like, dude, don't hand me your butt paper. Somebody I do not want the roster that you have out of your somebody butt. Somebody on the on the beat to listen to this kid correct me. I think Tom Herman. Some coaches do do like the front yeah, tuck. The front. I think Tom Herman goes like in the like the back of the waistband of the shorts. I okay, think. yeah, he goes. So or maybe some of those tucker. some of those Nike shorts they wear, or the Jordan brand shorts, or whatever. Some of them have pockets <laughs> on them, so you stick it in the pocket. Okay, yeah. It's funny you brought up Nike. I was looking and didn't. It took me an hour to notice this, but looking over, was this? You're wearing the only human I've ever seen in a Tiger Woods Sunday shirt. I am wearing my Tiger Woods Sunday tiger, shirt. Tiger, 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 tiger Woods, tiger Woods yeah, it's quite fitting. I didn't even notice until <laughs> now. I've never seen a human in another Tiger Red Sunday shirt, and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, brother. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app. And at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you can get this podcast where you can find all your 24-7 sports podcasts on Megaphone. Get us anywhere you get your podcasts. And Matt always has our archives running on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.